man, if I can take somebody who sincerely doesn't think they have the opportunity or never been given or don't know and, and show them a way to change their life, to make them happy to, to you know, and happiness to, to be, spend more time with their family and be with their kids and whatever their, whatever their, whatever their happiness is, that's what drives me to this day. And the money comes by doing that. Plan to fail so you won't. Production will solve all your problems. Some will, some won't. Stop whining, so what? Just hit your weekly production goal. The weekend starts now. Our podcast today is sponsored by One Life America. Become part of the One Life family. Start your new career at One Life, and you're on the right track to providing a better life for yourself and your family. One Life is not just a company. It's a family of people who stand behind you, believe in you, and here to support you and help you be successful. As a One Life agent, you represent one of the premier insurance providers offering top-quality products to the senior market. In addition to final expense coverage, we provide an extensive portfolio of products for you to offer to your clients including a full complement of life insurance, health insurance, Medicare options, and annuities. We invite you to learn more about One Life America and the exceptional career you can tailor for yourself as an agent. Take a look at all the benefits of joining One Life and helping your clients deal with some of the most important family matters in their lives. Discover what a difference it makes to be part of a company that cares about you, your family, and the family matters that you consider most important. We believe you'll want to make One Life part of your life. Join the One Life family today. Check them out at onelifeamerica.com. Our podcast today is with Scott Glanton. As Vice President of Sales, Scott Glanton oversees the productivity of One Life's agent force. Scott is instrumental in the ongoing growth of One Life's field and telephony sales units. Scott began his career at One Life America in 2000 as an agent, and he quickly climbed the managerial ranks, assembling a championship team of agents along the way. Today, that group is currently one of the largest legs under the One Life umbrella, doing $115,000 and $120,000 the last two weeks, respectfully. This agency is based out of a town, Metter, Georgia, with a population of 5,000. Scott graduated with a bachelor's degree in mathematics from Augusta State University, where he was a four-year member of the Jaguar baseball team. Scott is married to Aaron. They have three children, Ian, John Luke, and Isabella. Hobbies are family and golf. He is heavily involved in coaching his children in their sports, baseball, football, and golf. Scott is someone who took this opportunity we're about to talk about, started at the bottom, and used this system to build the most successful agency in a company that is one of the largest final expense market organizations in America. Welcome, Scott Glenn. Good morning. Thanks for being on here. Uh, First question I have for you, uh, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Well, Tucker, I have not eaten breakfast this morning. I'm in the process. My breakfast consists of an Advocare Spark in a water, and so far this morning, I've been up since 5:30, and uh, that is all I've had. Man, running on running on fumes. All I right. you you've been at the corner cafe getting. When I was there, you got me some biscuits and gravy, and, and some some sort of southern breakfast that was just a lot of grease and very very good. 
You are correct. That's uh, that's that's one of the local stops for our guests. But uh, unfortunately, usually my wife does a great job of getting me some Belvita, you know, cookies. I'm trying to watch my my weight and what I eat, but um, we haven't done that. So yeah, I'm running on fumes. <laughs> Very good. So um, I know that. Uh... I know what you do, and and uh, but tell everybody else if if you're at a cocktail party, maybe not an insurance cocktail party, but somebody comes up to you and says, "Hey, Scott, what do you do for a living anyway?" How do you respond to that? Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I, over the years, that answer has changed. Um, you know, now uh, my answer to that is help people, um, but in more detail. Um, I serve One Life America, who's one of a large FMO, um, one of the largest FMOs in the uh, senior market, and I serve, uh, and I stress the word serve, uh, One Life as the chief sales officer. Um, and basically, what that means is, is that uh, I work daily with our agency field force and, and managers to help them uh, achieve their goals, whatever that is. Um, work uh, kind of the middleman, if you will, between the insurance carriers, of which we have many, and uh, our agencies and agents um, to uh, to make them successful. So that would be what I would say in a nutshell. Now, I can uh, go further into that if I need to. Could you explain real quick what is, what's an FMO? Sure. Um, so in the insurance world, um, you know, agents – uh, if they were to call a specific carrier, whichever carrier that may be, in our market, that would be the Mutual of Omaha's, the Foresters, the Transamericas, the Americos, the Royal Neighbors. If they were to call them direct, um, most agencies do not want to hire um, agents direct. They want to deal with marketing organizations as ours. Um, so an FMO would be stand for a field marketing organization. Some carriers... Uh, label those as IMOs, independent marketing organizations, and then there's even the term NMOs, which is a national marketing organization, which all mean the very same thing, but they're, uh, if you will, the middleman, as I call it. Um, most insurance insurance carriers um, have the, uh, they develop the products, but they don't have distribution, um, so they need agents, independent agents like um, like us to uh, to distribute their products, to sell their products. Well, Again, they don't want to deal with individual agents. They want to deal with an organization who has the agency field force, has the program, has the system, um, and can deliver on those specific products. So um, that's what One Life America is. And then, um, you know, I get the pleasure of dealing with the agents and agencies on a day-in and day-out basis, and there's so many so many things that go on. Um, you know, I can phone calls this morning about um, – you know, trying to help agents get approved or, or, or get moved under our organization or help with a commission situation or get them, provide them uh, uh, supplies, uh, so many things that, that, that we handle on a day-in and day-out basis. But, you know, what we try to do to be different is to serve these agents, these org- our partner organizations, um, answer the phone, answer emails, answer texts, be available, you know, I'm a fixer, if you will, trying to get uh, get folks what they need because, unfortunately, in our business, there are many who don't, and so we dare to be different. And uh, I take pride in, you know, at the end of every day, every voicemail is returned, every email is returned, um, you know, every phone call is answered, 
every text is returned so that, you know, agents want to hear, they just want to know you're working on it, whether you have the answer or get it done or not. So um, that's kind of what we do. Yeah, that's that's one of the awesome things. I know you're, I mean, I consider you kind of a bigwig over there, and uh, you're willing to, to talk to every agent, no matter how new they are or how little or big production there is. It, it's pretty awesome, all the work that you do, uh, just one-on-one with agents, and then I know that you talk to, to the bigwigs at the companies, too, so you're a, you're a jack-of-all-trades for sure. Well, Tucker, I appreciate that, and uh, and that that's... You know, that's why I do what I do. Um, I believe um, that every, you know, no matter what, from a call center agent yesterday who uh, sat in my office last night at 6 o'clock, you know, want me to help her find a place to rent um, and, and, you know, getting personal and listening to, you know, talking to uh, Andrew Costas, who's, you know, the rep for America this morning. Um, um, I appreciate you saying that because I, that's how I want to be viewed. Um, I take that seriously that... Um, nothing's too big, nothing's too small. And, you know, all people want to do is just talk. And, uh, and I've learned and had to learn to be a good listener. So thank you for that, uh, that commentary. Well, I know I definitely, I've been in the business, uh, just starting my 29th year and I deal with a lot of, uh, home office personnel. And I think we've been involved, uh, what, maybe three years, four years. And this is, you know, I have a very short list of people that I know in this business that, that, truly understand the concerns of the agent field force like Scott Glanton does. And, and one of the things that has always impressed me about you from day one, Scott, is, is you've always said that if, if you need to get in touch with me, send me an email, shoot me a text or give me a call. I will call you back. Now, it's not going to be that minute. I mean, you don't sit around just waiting for Jim Mall to call. But I do know that when you do have a minute, you're going to call me back, and, and you've returned every phone call I've ever placed. You've, you've responded to every email and every text. And so that is an impressive characteristic in this business uh, where many people make some pretty serious promises. Uh, as we say, many, many companies and many agencies uh, over-promise and under-deliver, and Scott Glanton has always over-delivered and, and under-promised. So you've done a great job of taking care of the agent field force for us anyway. That, Jim, I appreciate that, man. That means a lot. I mean, you know what I think about you guys, um, first of all. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, I was in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma last week, and, and, you know, Ty Weaver, who's, you know, now a new partner of ours, thanks to your help of promotion, um, you know, Ty, the first thing he said is, you know, around around our parts of the country, I don't know about everywhere else, Jim Mall is a legend. And so that coming from you, that's how we view you. But, but yes, Jim, in this business and Tucker, you know, you got to be different. I mean, you can't be like everybody else. And anybody that I get my, you know, that I deal with daily, our local managers, um, you know, I try not to get upset about too much, but I will get upset if somebody calls me and says, I can't get a hold of so-and-so or they won't return my call. That really bothers me because that's, in my opinion, that's like everyone else. Um, you got to be different, and uh, and you can be strategic. And you know, it seems overwhelming, and sometimes it can be. But if you're strategic and you do it right, and you delegate and uh, have a good team around you, then uh, you can you can take care of everyone. Um, you know, you just got to establish that good team. So again, thank you for that. Those those kind words. So I know you didn't just uh, write up to uh, One Life America and say, "Hey, make me the." Chief Sales Officer and Senior Vice President at One Life America. Uh, tell us the story how you got here. 
Yes, you're right, Tucker. Um, I did not. Um, and, you know, thank the good Lord that uh, I was given the opportunity. But um, my story goes, um, when uh, my father's a football coach, and I'm proud to say that if he decides to coach next year high school football, that it'll be his 50th year. Um, and, uh, and, 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 and Tucker, I know you can relate to this. Um, my dad's an awesome dad. You know, he... Uh, my dad could care less about, you know, making a dollar. He did it for all the right reasons and coached um, football. So um, my brother and I were fortunate enough to uh, both get college scholarships, me in baseball, he in golf. And um, so I played four years of baseball. I was going to follow in his footsteps, love coaching, love people, love teams. You know, that's what I has consumed my whole life, competition, you know, leading people. Um and so when I was going to college, uh, math came easy to me. I got a degree in mathematics, a minor in education, and I even student taught um, in my last year um, as I was about to enter the real world. And it just hit me, um, you know, that uh, I watched my dad, you know, work very, very hard, and 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 I never did without. But I never, you know, I never had what I thought what I wanted at that time, the, you know, I, ne I never, we never had a new house or new cars or all this material stuff. And I wanted that to be honest with you. And it's kind of an interesting story. Um, when I got through a college, I started, decided not to do that, but I did not know what I wanted to do. And so I worked minimum wage part-time at the local golf course here in my little town. And one day on a weekday, I was out raking sand traps and, um, and there were very few people on the golf course, but I knew living in the small town exactly who all of them were. And it was ironic that most of them were in the insurance business. And I love the game of golf. And I was, so I said to myself, well, you know, they're playing golf during the weekdays. They all have those nice houses, nice cars. Um, and they're all in the insurance business. So what, are, you know, what does it take to get in the insurance business? And this is in, um, about somewhere in 1997. And, um, and I honestly, you know, again, my father being the football coach, having some success and, and me coming back after going to college, you know, just living around here, around home, Metter, Georgia. Um, so I started pursuing and uh, went to the State Farm guy who I was friends with. Uh, and he got me an interview at State Farm and uh, got bought my first suit, went to Atlanta and uh, just totally bombed because I had no idea what they were talking about. Um, talked to the local at that time, Cotton States agent, and just just kept that path. Just really asking, had lunch with an independent agent. I'll never forget um, the guy who's just recently passed away. We sat at a restaurant for lunch, and him saying he he was a big uh, property and casualty um, independent agent, done done very well, played golf all the time, or it appeared. And um, I never forget him saying, "Well, I don't know how people sell life insurance for a living. I could never do that." And now fast forward, and, you know, um, we've all made a living selling life insurance. But with that being said, um, I, was, I, was, I was given an aptitude test by Cotton States. They knew I was from Augusta. They wanted to start an office in Augusta, and I thought I had, you know, found it. I, you know, just going to have my own agency. I had this dream. going to sit in this office. They were going to give me, you know, support me, and, man, I was going to be at the top um, immediately. And... There was a small company, um, Debit. At that time, they had gone um, Debit and Ordinary. Life of Georgia, who was had found out, there was a, a, a friend of mine that found out I was trying to get in the insurance business, and they were calling. And um, I made the mistake of blowing them off and saying, man, heck no, I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to work for you guys. I didn't say it in this way. 
But this was my attitude was, I'm not going to work for you guys. I'm about to start my own agency in Augusta. Well, ironically, um, I took the aptitude test, and the first time I saw it, had no idea what it was, what I was doing, didn't make sense. And I really didn't want to be, uh, didn't, didn't want to seem very uh, cocky. I never forget to ask questions, you know, how much money do you think you'll make in your first year, five years, you know, ten years? And they had all these answers on there and, you know, a million dollars or whatever. And I said, man, I, that, that, that seems mighty, you know, mighty arrogant. So I was very conservative. Anyhow, I didn't, I didn't cut the mustard on the aptitude test. So I said, you know, well, well, maybe I just, you know, let me take it again. I talked them into let me take it again because I thought, you know, that I was a little more conservative. So this time I was going to be honest. I was going to, you know, because I think, you know, if it's out there, I can do it. And uh, it just so happened that uh, I did not do well the second time. So there was no position, and uh, that opportunity was no longer. And um, so – what did I do? I had to humble myself, which was a great lesson, and call Life of Georgia back up because that was the only opportunity I had. Um, and I did. I called them, and they, you know, took me in. And for six months, probably the best thing I ever did. I worked for five hundred twenty-five dollars a week. Um, I got my life and health uh, license. Um, I, um, you know, learned a lot about insurance. I didn't do very well. Um, but it was a great experience and great opportunity. It taught me a lot and, and showed me the things I wanted to do and the things I didn't want to do. Still kind of boxed in, but I knew there was better out there. Well, I was reading our local paper, and there was a guy by the name of Don Kennedy who was an older fella. Um, and uh, I hope Don doesn't listen to this because at that time he probably wasn't as old as what I'm making him out to be. I was young. Um, but Don uh, owned a funeral home here in town, and I had saw I saw in the paper – where he was doing investments. Now, I knew Don's story, owned a funeral home, very successful, who was a member or a board member at a local bank here, and he was doing investments. And I was working at Life of Georgia, and I was, you know, I've always been a little bit of a saver, so I had $2,000, called Don up. You know, he knew, you know, he probably knew of me, but we didn't know each other because, you know, he was kind of retired and, and, you know, went and got all these licenses, come to find out, uh, Series 6, 7, uh, you know, principal's license. And that's what I thought I wanted to do. So invested $2,000 in Coke stock. Um, but more importantly, I was really trying to see what Don did, trying to figure out how I could go work for him or work with him. And it really worked like a charm. Don called me up one day at a, a Life of Georgia, said, hey, you know, these guys, his OSJ, which at that time in the investment world, you have to put your license under someone, are here, we want to take you to lunch. And he did. And Don didn't pay me, but he gave me an opportunity. Come to find out, he was a, a board member on the bank, um, which I had known, but, you know, they were trying to get in the insurance business. Um, he had had uh, some connections with a local PNC agency. Um, he had, uh, you know, he just had a lot of opportunities, and, and it was, in, you know, it was independent, and I just said, man, this will be a great opportunity. Again, didn't pay me a salary, didn't charge me rent, just kind of took me under his wing, and I'm thankful to him to this day. So we did that. Uh, that was, you know, going into 98, uh, the year 90, probably for a year. And, you know, I was selling. I got my PNC license. I was selling. And, by the way, I failed my first insurance test, um, which taught me a lot, too, uh, motivated me. Um, I got So from there, I got my, my life and health, my PNC. I got my Series 6. I was working on my 7. Um, you know, I was going to do what Don did. I was selling health insurance. I was selling a car insurance. I was selling a life insurance, I never forget, I sold a $10,000, uh, no, a $200,000 annuity 
and uh, I got that check for like 10 grand. So that'll tell you my commission wasn't very good first. Second thing is it took me six months to sell it. So when you divide that by six months, it wasn't as great as it sounds. But, I, you know, so, man, I was just, this was it. Um, so I was selling everything to try to make a living. And uh, and Don kind of did his thing. I did mine. So getting to how I got with One Life America, I come in one day and I see a stack of what I didn't know what they were, but they were leads. They looked like, you know, obviously postcards, what we work on a daily basis. And I asked Don, I said, what is that? He said, oh, man, these are some leads. And I went to a seminar in Savannah, and, uh, you know, it's uh, barrel insurance. That's what he said, barrel insurance. And I was like, man, and, you know, I know Don rode horses, and this is as honest to God, as true as I can be. I knew Don rode horses, but I didn't know that they sold barrel insurance. And I'm like, so what is barrel? He said, no, 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 burial insurance. I said, oh, okay, burial, okay, death, which made sense because Don came out of the funeral home business, and, you know, it was basically selling burial insurance. And, uh, and you know, I kind of laugh about that story today. So, anyhow, I said, well, man, tell me more about it. So we got these two guys that are going to be here. You know, I'd love for you to meet him. Meet him. Um, I'm just getting started. And uh, uh, so, so Don Barta from Pensacola, Florida, was underneath a guy by the name of Paul Jernigan out of Duluth, Georgia, North Atlanta. They were working in Savannah, and they came and um, – and met me at the Waffle House, and, and you know, in this business, well, you guys don't know because you're CrossFit and tight and fit, but people tend to get a little, uh, they like to eat in this business on the road and, and get a little big, and I never forget, we sat in a booth at the Waffle House is where we met, and those boys couldn't even hardly fit in the booth, but I sat there and listened to them, and they were telling me, you know, this is a license to steal, and, you know, man, they're making all this money, and to be honest with you, and I'll use my one cuss word here since you said it was okay, I thought they were full of shit. Um, but this is what I, when I left that meeting about how great this business was, this is what I thought. And I trusted Don. I said, you know what? If half of what they say is true, it's still a heck of a lot better than what I'm doing. So I did my contracts. I was just, you know, in the process of Aaron and I were, I, you know, getting ready for a wedding. This is at the latter part of 1999. And um, I got married in March of 2000, so, you know, making all these changes and trying to figure it out. And uh, so I got contracted with Guarantee Reserve, United American and Cotton States. And uh, I went in the field. I met uh, Don. Once I got contracted in Walterboro, South Carolina, I rode one day. That was my training. He asked me to spend the night, and I thought he was crazy. I said, man, spend the night? Shoot, I'm not doing that. I said, I'll just ride with you a day. And, and, and one of those agents that rode about – Three-quarters of the day, um, it was a long day and because Waterboro is about two and a half hours from here. Um, but he was making sales, and, you know, with a math degree, I could add. And, I, man, I was just – I was on fire, and Don was overweight at that time. And I was thinking, man, if this old guy here, big guy, can do it, I know I can do it. And i never forget telling him that, uh, you know, it was probably about six, five, six, seven o'clock that afternoon. I said, all right, man, I've seen all I need to see. I'm ready to go. He said, uh, nope, you're not. Your car's 40 miles that way. You're going to be here to the end of the day. And I stayed, got home late that night, but I was so excited. And, um, and so that was my introduction to uh, Ken Parker's organization, Parker Associates at that time. And I uh, got my first set of leads, and um, about two hours away from here, had no idea what I was doing. Um, got on the phone, set my own appointments. Um, you know, we were advanced on submission at that time, the way it was set up. I mean, we knew, 
even even better than it is now. We at that particular time where we thought it was better, you'd write the business, then it was a less advanced. But you know, you knew what your check was going to be the next week, and I think I made eight hundred dollars my first week, and uh, the next week worked a set of leads and made I think fifteen hundred dollars, and you know that those two weeks making twenty three hundred dollars that was about more than I was making in a month doing all that other stuff, and and to be honest with you, that that was that was it. That's how I got with Ken Parker and had not a clue about building a team or an agency, but I was making money and I was excited and, you know, um, and, and, and that's how I got into it. Now there's more to the story of where we got to where we are today. So I'll stop there. Um, cause I know that's a lot, but that's how I got to my introduction and got involved with, uh, with, with Ken Parker and, and this, this, uh, awesome organization. Well, that that might um, be a, a perfect segue. <clears throat> excuse me um, to my next question to kind of actually just continue on on your story. But uh, when did you realize that this, you know, this this final expense business was it, and it was the career that you would be kind of doing forever, and, and maybe stop looking for other avenues? Well, that's a man. That's a great question, Tucker, and it brings back some memories because at that time. You know, I was selling, um, uh, you know, some some auto insurance, and obviously there's some service there. I was doing some, uh, um, some, you know, I had some investments. I had my Series Six, and you know, I was one of those that say, "Well, I'll try," it. but you know, knowing what I had, I couldn't get away from it because that was my source of of income. But then after those first two weeks, you know, someone would call me about an investment question. I'd say, "Oh, I'm not doing that anymore." You know, all of a sudden that became you know, I didn't want to mess with that anymore. Hey, call this guy. Call, you know, call these folks. Call this agency. And, you know, path of least resistance, obviously, knowing that, um, you know, at that time it was about the money because I needed to make money. And uh, so to answer your question, it fit my personality. You know, growing up, my father is a football coach, you know, leading a team, being a hustler in all the right sense. Um, it was just more me. Um, you know, to go out and to be proactive rather than sitting in an office, spend a bunch of money on advertisements, hoping somebody would call me, then I could go out, you know, and, and with this um, program, this system, and, you know, work as much as I wanted, as hard as I wanted. There was a path. Um, yeah, there was some trial and error, um, but it just fit my personality. And and so personally, before even thinking about anybody else, you know, introducing them, that was that was it. I mean, I was excited. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the hustle. I enjoyed the fact that you know, give me the leads, and I, you know, they're in a confined location. I didn't care where they were. If I wanted to work more, I could make more money. There was no, you know, the sky was the limit. Um, and 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 that was all I needed to know that that um, that I could do it. And and the other thing too, you know. I mean, I always, like a lot of folks, uh, want to be self-employed, want to be my own boss. So this allowed that, but it allowed it allowed me to do that without all the overhead. You know, buying a franchise or, or you know, investing a bunch of money, which I didn't have, to uh, to get this opportunity. So you know, I basically invested five hundred dollars in a license, and you know, made that back in a sale or two, and now I was all profit. Um, and then you know, my best friend being a a CPA and accountant, you know, working out of my house at that time, having, you know, the write-offs was awesome. As a matter of fact, 
I've told this story many times. I made $67,000 my first year, and with all my write-offs, with my miles and food and hotels and whatever, um, I got the earned income credit. And I thought that was pretty awesome, you know. But, I mean, I got the money, I got to keep the money, and then I got the earned income credit. I actually got a, a, a tax refund. So, you know, it just it really fit my personality, and, uh, and I shortly realized that there is no limit. There was no limit. And uh, and that's always driven me, um, you know, um, I, I, self-discipline. You know, I didn't need someone to tell me to work. As a matter of fact, almost to my wife's, we didn't have kids for the first two years, and, and I probably worked too much because I got I just couldn't get enough. Um, so hopefully that, that answers that question. Sure. Uh, but if, if you couldn't do this or didn't get the opportunities or whatever, but uh, if you weren't doing this, what job do you think you would be doing? Man, that's a great question. Um, gosh, um, you know, I, I've never had a plan B. I couldn't have a plan B. I didn't. I never thought about it. But but to answer that, the thing that does interest me sometimes, because I love coaching, teaching. I mean, I absolutely love. Um, you know, as both of you know, I'm very involved with my son's uh, travel baseball team and. Uh, and I often now look at these young coaches that, you know, the Lane Kiffin, like him or not, you know, how young he was to have be, you know, the head coach of, of uh, Southern Cal and was once, I think, at Oakland Raiders. And then, you know, um, just these young coaches, I, I honestly think that that would fit my personality. Again, you're out recruiting, um, you know, you're teaching, um, you're able to take someone who, um, you know, may not have, may, you know, give them an opportunity and then mold them into someone and change their life. And, uh, I think the two go hand in hand. Um, and I'm, I'm able to get my, my coaching, uh, you know, that outlet, I'm able to get that out of me by, you know, being very involved with my two boys and, and their, their sports, their baseball, and, and now Ian with golf, um, and teaching and leading and, and teams and, and all that. So I would have to say, I would have had to try the coaching field, but probably would have taken it, you know, to the college level. I would have probably tried to take it as far as I could. Yeah, and that that's perfect. I mean, you kind of already answered this question, but, uh, you know, what are you passionate about? And we used to ask this question uh, at our seminars uh, of the agents and things, and they, they would say, I'm kind of kind of take your – your answer away from you uh, of helping people because you've already told us how, how much you enjoy doing that at work every day, helping the agents and dealing with the companies and all that. And so I'm not so much looking for, you know, what are you passionate about in work? But, you know, when you, when you get to leave the office and go do your favorite thing, what are you passionate about? Do you like, I know you like to play golf. I know you like yep. to uh, coach your son's teams and stuff like that. So what drives you after you're done working? Well, that's 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 great, and uh, and I'm going to answer this a couple of ways, um, Tucker, if it's okay. First of all, going back to my story, what I thought drove me was material things. You know, I I mean I um, I read something the other day that said, um, you know, hey, I never took an economics class ever. I never took a finance class. Um, never took any of that. You don't have to do that with a math degree. I took a lot of mathematical stuff, obviously, and then stuff, but. But I wanted to know about money. I wanted to know about making money. I was consumed about how to, you know, how to be successful. And and money being the 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 defining, you know, defining what the success. And so, you know, um, I read uh, a 
Project Millionaire by David Bach, which I still have, and that book, you know, changed my life. And many books about being success, how to make money, how to save money, dollar cost average, all these different things. And because, you know, and then uh, I read a book by Dr. Dwayne, Wayne Dwyer, who died in the last couple of years, about believing into reality. If you believe it, you see it, you know, you think about it, that's all you work towards, that it will come to fruition. And, and it will, because, you know, bought my first house, little house. I'll never forget, Aaron called me, my wife, and said, hey, by the way, they just said we got to make a decision on this house, so I bought it. I'm out in the field working final expense, but, you know, no problem. Wanted to build my house. And I told her, the day we pay our land, I bought some land and paid it off. You know, then we built a house. Then, you know, I, I drive nice cars and, you know, I did all that stuff. And then I, just it wasn't, you know, it didn't satisfy me like I thought. There was always something else. Now I want a beach house. Now I want... This and then I was like, man, I'm 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 getting all this wrong. I'm never I'm never fulfilled. So going back now to your question, my whole, you know, now that I've kind of achieved some of that stuff, all that stuff is just material. I mean, it, it's it's non, it's not going to satisfy you. So, but what does satisfy me in this workplace? And again, I will get to the answer to your question outside of work. Is is changing lives, man? If I can take somebody who sincerely doesn't think they have the opportunity or never been given or don't know and, and show them a way to change their life, to make them happy to, to you know, and happiness to, to be, spend more time with their family and be with their kids and whatever their, whatever their, whatever their happiness is, that's what drives me to this day. And the money comes by doing that. Now, outside of work, um, you know, it's kind of, I guess it's, I don't, you know, we always talk about Scotty and I talk about, you know, what's your why? Um, you know, my why is honestly my family. Um, I do like to play golf, um, but there's not a day that I ever go out with a group of guys other than through business. Um, you know, there's a group on Wednesday that goes out at lunch. There's a group, that same group plays Saturday, Sunday. I can't tell you the last time I went out with that group of guys. When I What, I, what drives me are, uh, are, you know, my family, honestly. Um, I, I work hard to, you know, we're leaving tonight. They're on winter break. We're going down to Orlando. They love this place we go to, um, and 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 that's what drives me. I want to go be with them. It makes us stay together by doing stuff like this. Um, you know, just like you said, my boys baseball. You know, I just put as much effort into a fundraiser, getting ready for the season, um, because I don't want. I don't. Again, I want to be different. I don't. When you play on travel baseball, most uh, most kids have to pay a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars. I take pride. And that our kids do not have to pay anything. That I've got a couple creative ways. Again, you got to get out there and work for it. And I need their help. But we just did a Super Bowl fundraiser on the squares and raised twenty eight hundred dollars. It took about three days. A lot of work, you know, and uh, and organization. But it works. And and so I take pride in that I can get these kids that are give them an opportunity. And we're probably a second tier. I don't go for the, you know. I don't go for the, the all-star best, you know, all around, you know, go looking for them. What we do is we probably get second tier, but we compete with those because we get good parents and we give them an opportunity because they probably can't afford to pay a lot of money to play. But we raise the money, and, and I take pride in that. You know, I take pride in, 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 you know, making my son a better catcher. If that's what he wants to do, then I want to make him the best catcher, the best hitter he can. Ian's playing golf now. You know, I'm, you know, Every we're going, you know, we drive four or five hours in these tournaments to give him the opportunity. He wants to go to Florida State. Well, you got to work for it. That's what my, you know, my father taught me, and so I'm going to give him the opportunity. 
if he's willing to do um, what it takes to, uh, to to be given this opportunity. That's what drives me, honestly. Um, it's kind of sad. I don't have really any hobbies. I, I don't. There's nothing that uh, that I enjoy. I don't hunt. I don't fish. Um, again, I'll go play golf with my son or sons, but I'm not just going to go out there and play by myself. So um, that's me, man. I'm, I'm a different different kind of guy, um, you know. But uh, but but I'm happy and uh, and I really enjoy that. That's awesome. I, I think we could probably do a whole podcast just on on what you just said there. But uh, in your mind, uh, who's the most successful person you know and why? Hmm. Wow, that's a that's an awesome question. Whew. Um, man, so many people, Tucker, come to my mind, um, and and success in so many different ways. Um, you know, one of the first people that uh, that come to my mind, obviously Ken Parker, awesome guy, successful, and 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 you know, successful people, I like to study, um, and I mean study like. You know, being around them and just watching what they do, what they say. Um, you know, and and obviously, I think uh, Ken Parker is very successful. Very. Uh, what intrigues me about Ken Parker is, you know, and I love it about him is that you know he doesn't have to be front and center. As a matter of fact, he doesn't want to be. He's always kind of just, you know, and off to his, himself. But yet, he's been able to build this organization with that skill set because he's honest, what he says, you can bank on it. Um, you know, he, he's, he's, he's sharp. He's not scared to take a chance. He's a visionary, but yet, you know, you'll never see him heck lucky to see him at the convention. If he's at the convention, he'll never speak. Um, you know, he just takes a back seat. So that, that's very interesting for someone who basically has no college education, no high school, no GED and, but attracts obviously many people, um, like he does, you know, I think about Scotty Elliott, um, you know, I mean, Scotty's a young guy, 34, 35 now, but, you know, I look at, at when I, you know, I look at the different aspects of life. I call them spokes. You know, you look at your health, you look at, you know, your, your faith, you look at your business, your family. Um, there's one more there that, uh, that I'm missing, but, uh, and I look at, you know, like I'm, I'm pretty good at business. My family's good. My social, that was the other one's pretty good. I don't do as well as I should, and and you know, exercising like you guys, you guys motivate me. Um, I'm learning, you know, my faith. I'm getting more involved with, uh, you know, I was so proud. January, I read the 31 books, uh, 31 chapters of Proverbs. I've started that many times, but something got in the way. I actually was so happy on January 31st I did that. So, you know, I look at Scotty, and to me, and I've gotten to know him so well, you know beyond the the business part and you know he's just he's very pure um selfless again somebody that uh, i think is very successful um you know monetarily oh, he does great but you know no billionaire or millionaire yet um he will be i look at that you know i, I and, and i say this not because you guys are on the phone but i have used this story so many times um uh that when we were in the airport i think in were we in Houston, Texas? Is that where we went? And and both of you guys were there, and we ate at a restaurant, and both of you simultaneously said, a military guy sat beside us, and you both said, told the waiter at the same time, give me his check. 
and man, that right there, I mean, I get just emotional about it because, uh, you know, that, that, that success being able to do that and that, you know, you guys thought about that. And I've done that, uh, many times since then. Uh, so, you know, used to, I would define success as who had the nicest house, the nicest cars, um, you know, the more, the most money doing all this lavish stuff. But, you know, truth is, most of those folks, when you look deep into them, it's not what it seems on the outside. And uh, so, you know, those are the people that I, in my little world, that I that I that I see as uh, being successful. So, for you, what does a goal setting look like for you personally? Whether it's for your um, son's baseball team to to raise a certain amount of money or um, do you have certain goals that uh, that you're trying to hit throughout the year? Um, what does goal setting look like for you? And then have those views and goals changed throughout the years? Um, well, I'm a big goal setter. I've studied goals. Um, as a matter of fact, it's funny you ask because I've just probably last week in Oklahoma was my sixth kind of, if you will, kickoff meeting. And, I, you know, with the new year, I always really hit goals. And um, and I've read and I'll summarize to each of those groups uh, 1979 Harvard MBA study on goal setting that said 84% of the folks that they in that program, the MBA program, uh, had no goals at all. 13% um, had goals but did not write them down. 3% had goals, you know, and had a plan to uh, to you know succeed on those goals. Um, they wrote them down. They had a plan to hit the goals, you know, through the year. Um, the 13 percent, you know, and, and using, again, money as uh, the, uh, the the target there, but the 13 the, percent the earned twice as much as the 84 percent, the 13 percent who had goals and didn't write them down, who thought about them but didn't write them down, earned twice as much as the 84 percent who didn't have goals at all. Ironically, the 3% who actually had goals, had a plan, and wrote them down earned 10%, 10 times, I'm not 10%, 10 times the amount that the other 97% did combined. And I just thought that was so, I mean, that has motivated me. I read that many years ago, and and I use it about every beginning of the year because um, I'm a big goal person. I write them down. As a matter of fact, it just so happened you asked me. I've got them right here in front of me because, uh, you know, I don't want to be a hypocrite and tell people, you know, wow them with that, and then they, you know, not have mine. So I put them to pen to paper. I think about them. Honestly, um, throughout the years, they hadn't changed as much. Now, with One Life, professionally, you know, we have the target goal of $50 million. Um, I take pride in that um, and obviously want to uh, succeed in that. And I want to do it the right way. I don't, I don't you know, One Life, uh, I, I'm so happy, and I, I'm I hesitant to use the word proud, but I am proud that you know our partnerships, we're not we're not a company like a lot, who you know okay you want an Americo contract you know we'll give you an Americo contract we give them the contract and boom that's it, our partners are are like you guys for the most part all in partners, um, and that's what I take pride in is that we have relationships with our um, with our partners so hitting that 50 million is one thing. But hitting that $50 million with true partners and sharing in that together is what I take pride in, and that motivates me like you wouldn't believe. Um, you know, I, I do still have a lot of uh, 
Uh, I'm, I'm a big, you know, here locally, even though I directly don't earn an override on the group here in Georgia, you know, I want these guys to be successful. I take pride. You know, the first three recruits I ever recruited are still here today. And Benji Crooms, Jamie Motes, and Eric Smith, you know, they're doing roughly fifty, sixty thousand 60000 a week. Um, I want them to get to that seventy five, hundred thousand mark. So in addition to my role, I take pride around here in that goal and helping them achieve that goal. Um, so as far as business go, goes, yeah, there, we some serious goals. I, you know, I look at that weekly report every week. I digest. I look at the the team report, who's doing what. Um, be intentional about reaching out to folks, not just being reactive. Be proactive. Talk to them. What can we do to help? Personally, um, you know, man, I just want to be a. I want to work on me. Um, I want to get out of my comfort zone. I've been challenging myself. You know, Jim, again. Uh, you say things and and I listen. I think it's awesome. I think you uh, read a little bit of a book every night and you read your Bible for 15 minutes or so every night, if I'm not mistaken. That is correct. And I have not done that as religiously. I I am reading both a lot more. Um, You know, I'm challenging myself for reading, you know, 15 books a year. Um, And I know that's, that, that's not a, to the Brandon Clay who reads a book a week, Standards or the Scotty Elliott, um, he's read the book. He says, man, I got this book I'm about to read. By the time I get it back from Amazon, he's already finished it. I'm not that, you know, I'm working on that. Uh, but, but uh, again, goals, you know, um, just just working on all around, you know, trying to exercise more. I mean, you guys motivate. Try to read more. Um, try to study about being a better husband. In our business, sometimes that's tough. Uh Try to be a better father. Um, Just real you know, quick, it, I wanted wanted to dig in on. Uh, you say you write your goals down. Do you um, do you have different categories? And if you do, um, is there a certain number? Do you try to do five in each category, or do you just uh, let them fly and have as many as you can, or just vaguely kind of what's your outline look like? That's good. I'm looking at it. I've got and and it's not. I don't. It's not too detailed. Uh, Tucker, um, and I read them constantly. It just says, Scott Glantz, 2017 goals. It says business, um, commitment. Um, you know, last year, and I keep that in front of my word. I, I pick a, I don't, John Gordon, you know, says pick a word of the year. Um, so last year it was committed, uh, being committed. And I talked about it on conference calls. I talked about it in things I spoke, and I, I tried to live it. This year, my word is service. You know, I want to serve like crazy. Um, that's why I'll take time with a girl yesterday that, uh, you know, want me to help personally and I'll, and I'll do it. You know, I want to serve her. Um, but it says, uh, you know, manage intently, uh, believe into reality. Um, they're kind of generic things that really, but, but they, just that those three words believe into reality, because if you don't believe you can hit 50 million, and again, this is on the business side, then you're never going to hit it. If you don't think you can hit a hundred million, you're never going to hit. As a matter of fact, you know, we hit 40, 40 million was our goal last year. We hit 44 or whatever we hit. And I told Scotty, let's enjoy it during the holidays, but let's don't get satisfied because you really never arrive. We got to go get it next year. We got to keep making partners, serve better, have patience, be disciplined, be a good listener. You know, in my, uh, well, gosh, personally with my kids and my wife and then business wise, man, I've got to be a good listener. And I learned from Ken Parker. He's probably the best listener um, that anybody I know love our agents all the time. You know, that's a big goal of mine. Um, manage better, lead by example. 
you know, read 15 books, read, 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 invest in self. You know, we try to get people to these academies. How can I, you know, be passionate and sell to them to invest in themselves if I'm not investing in me? Um, and then I got one here that says, don't waste time on the five foot eight nose guard. And there was somebody in a speech that said that one time, you know, I'm, my negatives are, you know, I want to help everybody. And some folks you just can't help. Um, and then obviously hit the goal of 50 million personally. Um, and it, this is a one pager and, and my calendar is kind of old fashioned. I've got every month printed out. I write them in pencil. I still, you know, I use technology, but I keep this. Um, and on the back of this are my goals where I see them regularly. You know, be a better Christian, put God before self, you know, stay in God's word. That's one thing that I've learned is that I was so focused on me, um, and that's a problem, you know. Um, that's not how it's supposed to be. If you read anything or read the good word, then it's not supposed to be. Better husband, be patient, work on me, live a godly life. Better father, focus and be in the present. Again, not one of my strengths. My kids will be there, and they're like, Daddy, you're always on the phone, or you're all, you know, and I don't want to hear that. That, that. That's not good. Eat better, healthy, spend less, save more, give more, and exercise. Those are my goals, and they really hadn't changed from 16 to 17, and, you know, probably won't a lot in 18. So um, they're not really, uh, maybe they should be more, uh, you know, targeted, but uh, that's kind of, those are my goals and, and, and what I write down and carry around with me, and I'm passionate about them. Perfect. With all that, is there a uh, is there a dream that you've given up on? Oh, man. You can always say pass too. Yeah, I I don't I, I not not there's not Tucker there's there's really not a, a dream that I've given up on. Um, you know I'm I'm uh, you know that question to be honest with you reminds me of sitting in front of that State Farm three-person board, my first insurance interview, and they said, give me three things you've been unsuccessful on. And after I thought and thought and thought, and, and, I, and I didn't want to be seen come across the wrong way, but I just don't think about being unsuccessful. I don't think about unsuccessful things. I don't think about negative things. So if I think it, I think it's going to happen, and I'm patient to get it done. So, um, so I guess that's a long answer for a pass. <laughs> no, that's perfect because uh, my next question is uh, you failed your first insurance test and, and obviously you went went through and, and followed through and finished it out. But uh, what was one of your other biggest failures but now you realized it, it taught you something and uh, you're better for it? Man, that's a, uh, that's a great question um, and a little bit personal here. Um, probably my – my biggest uh, failure was as a husband um, that I've learned, you know, I took it all for granted, um, getting caught up in, you know, in, in success and work and business and, you know, doing whatever. And, and you know, man, I got an awesome wife. She's patient. But uh, I almost took it for granted. And, um, and so I started studying it, um, you know, about marriage and, and watching and listening and, and that's where the whole self thing comes in. I'll never forget. I called my pastor in um, and said, man, you know what, what? And, and and he basically slapped me in the face. And he said, all you're talking about is you. And uh, and I then realized that it's not about me. Um, as a matter of fact, that's the first line of the Purpose Driven Life. Um, it's not about you. And uh, and that's helped me, uh, you know, obviously with my marriage, but it's also helped me in, in business and, and everything else is, 
you know, quit worrying about me and, and you know, worry about others. So that 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 was a huge failure that uh that has, has, has really changed me for the better. Do you have a a biggest or hardest obstacle that you've had to overcome in life? Uh you know, no until now. Um the one thing that uh that I want to be motivated motivated about, and I and again I admire you guys, and uh, I need to move to 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 Kansas to get involved. As a matter of fact, I think I read a a post where your younger sister um, just completed something. She lifted two hundred pounds above her head, and it just there you go. Uh, yeah, it, you you're glad you write it down or something. I was reading a post. I guess it was last night or maybe early this morning or sometime. And I think about you guys, you know, with the CrossFit and how the family and. And uh, so my biggest obstacle, honestly, is, you know, my whole life I played every sport. I exercised. I was fit. Um, you know, I enjoyed it. And, and and you know, my dad's 72 years old. He can, you know, he would come in there with you guys right now and do 100 pull-ups, and he works out an hour and a half every day. And, you know, uh, I, I could see him out there jogging around 105-degree heat, you know, uh, uh, running that mile every day that he did. And, uh but I just and the guy told me so when you're you're as motivated about your success in business as you are about working out then you'll go do it every day and and I'm just not motivated to do it. I mean I think about it. My wife gets up at four thirty, um, so that that's that's a big struggle for me. Is uh, you know as mentally tough as I am and everything. I um, that that's that's an obstacle that I'm trying to overcome and and I want to. Um, I think all the right thoughts, but I just, you know, you got to do it. So just being honest with you. So you've been successful and, uh, you talked about last year, um, the goal at one life was to do 40 million and you beat it, uh, by 44 million. Not, you didn't beat it by 44, but you, you hit right. 44 million. Um, so that's, that's pretty impressive. And so you go and you set the goal higher. Um, but as far as success, do you, do you still have the elation when you hit a goal and you say, yeah, I was successful. That, that was awesome. Or is it just expected after the, the years of, of being successful? I, I, I'm careful about having the elation, um, on any goal. That's, that's not a strong point of mine. I try to be intentional about, you know, congratulating folks, even my kids. I'm probably, you know, my son had the best golf round in a tournament, a big term. I was so proud of him inside and I tried to let him know, but then, you know, it's kind of like, all right, you did it. Now you can do it. What are you going to do tomorrow? What are you going to do to get better? So just like business with hitting the $40 million, yeah, man, I was excited. I'm excited when we hit that million dollars a week. But, you know, sad, I get, you know, I, I shouldn't say sadly because that's how I'm wired. That's how I'm driven is that, that um, all right, now I want to go hit $50 million. I want to hit $100 million. We want 1,000 writing agents with One Life America not only have a thousand writing agents, but also to have a partner and know them and have a relationship with them. Um, so maybe I'll take a step back and celebrate for a few minutes, but then it's, you know, then it's moving forward. And what, you know, what can we do next? I always wondered Tucker, when, when I would arrive, I said, man, I can't wait till that day when, you know, I've hit the goals and I've, I've arrived. And then I read something in a book and I can't remember which one that said, you know, you really never arrive. And I've taken that to heart and I'm good with that, that it's always going to be a push. It's always going to be a challenge. And that's just how I'm wired. And, uh, 
Um, but in all that, I neg- you got to have balance. So going back to the husband, the father thing, I want to be just as motivated and just as goal-oriented about being intentional about them. Let's and, hit- uh Let's hit on that. Um, you're you're obviously driven, and uh, I remember when I interviewed my dad. Um, you know, I had to ask him. You know, what pushes you to get out the door every week to go hit your goal? Because he doesn't really need to. You know, he sure. he. But still, he gets up at five a.m. every Monday. He's on the road by six at the very latest, and uh, he's he's working his butt off every week to to hit his goal. You know, what what drives him to do that? And obviously you don't have that problem. You're driven every day to, to, to kick ass and take names and all that. But what on the other side of the coin, what gives you contentment? Uh, cause I think that's kind of the, I don't want to say the opposite of drive, but they, they right. kind of feed off of each other. Yeah. Um, man, that's a great question. Uh, contentment. What gives me contentment is to, um, and you got to be careful, and I know, Jim, you, you've done this too, and you've done it so well, is to give my family the opportunity to experience the things that that I really didn't too. And I don't mean that bad. Man, I had an awesome life. My parents are awesome. My mom's an RN. They, they did very well. But, you know, I mean, I wanted, you know, more. And to be able to give my kids the opportunity to do the things that they're able to do and the opportunities – gives me contentment however i also know what what drives me was the fact that i didn't have those things and my parents made me work and i worked out in tobacco field and that's what my wife and i struggle with as far as the you know contentment goes is that you know my son's out there his you know he gets out of school goes to the golf course all day he's the last one off the golf course every day he's working his butt off but is that going to transcend into, you know, being being driven when he gets out in our shoes one day? You know, is he going to be driven like, like we are? Um, and he doesn't have to be, but I just don't, you know, I don't want him to take all this for granted, you know, give, 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 because, uh, uh, you know, you see a lot of successful people and they give their kids everything and they don't turn out so well. So there's a fine line there. But having the opportunity to leave tonight, go to Florida, spend five days with my, my family, still get work done with the balance. I know how to do that. Um, but to be with them and, and be able to do that and enjoy it and see them just have a fun gives me uh, contentment. So if, you're, uh, if your son grows up and says, hey, Dad, I want to do what you do, what do you, how do you respond? Man, I'm, I'm awesome. I'd love to show him how to. I think he could honestly think my oldest one could do it today. And I will take him under my wing. I would make him go out there and do just what I had to do to learn to sell, um, and and you know help him along the way and uh, and and show him you know what it takes and be right there by his side. And I would enjoy that. Um, but I'll let him just like you know he tells me, hey man, I want to go play in these golf tournaments. I don't say, you know, you're going to have to go play, you know, I let, I let both of my boys drive me. So if they're wanting, I'm going to give them the opportunity, but if they're not interested, no hard feelings, they're not going to sit around and play video games. They're going to get a job or do what it takes. But I would love that opportunity. Um, if he did, uh, want to come work with one life side by side. 
Cool. So I, I know when we came down and, and met with the One Life family and, and met you and, and had a good time, we always tell the story about the sauce, boss. And uh, what is the, what's one story that your friends or family always tell about you? Oh man, uh, man, that's funny. Uh, the sauce box. I, I forgot that about that. <laughs> uh, that was great. That uh, was. You, you know, on that on that story, <laughs> I'll never forget, Tucker. You were to my left, and I said, "I'm." You know, we we're going to get these wings, and nobody wanted to eat them. I was the only one going to eat them. There's no way we'd ever eat them. And I remember seeing you sweating <laughs> with sauce all over, coming down your chin, all in your shirt, and you know, but you weren't going to eat any. Um, <laughs> Man, the one story that uh, folks are always, man, and, 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 you know, one thing I've been blessed to, to have so many great relationships and people around me and, uh, and you know, stories that there's probably tons of stories. But I, I will tell you one that's pretty funny. When I was playing high school football for my dad, um, I had a girlfriend, and this comes up quite a bit, um, playing quarterback. And uh, in the heat of a game, and they come to the huddle, and, of course, my buddies, Eric Smith, Brian Tudor, my CPA, we all play football together. And I say, uh, and they always bring this up, you know, I said, uh, oh, I'm going to get him. They're like, man, what happened? Oh, I'm going to get him is what I would say. And they said, who are you going to get? What, what's going on? You know what I mean? Again, we're in the huddle about to run a play. And uh, I said, uh, if, that, if he messes with her one more time up there in the stands, I'm going to tear his butt up when I get done with this football game. And I literally was watching my girlfriend and some guy flirt with her, you know, while I'm down there on the field. And trust me, that comes up a lot, uh, that story. And uh, and kind of embarrassing, if you will. But uh, um, personally, that that's the story that comes up. Very good. Um, we... In, in our business, we have to ask some sensitive questions, and sure. I'm sure dealing with uh, with agents and, and companies and things like that, uh, you get to ask some, some difficult questions. Um, how do you go about doing that, and how have you per- perfected that, that line of questioning uh, throughout the years? Um, well, what I've learned, uh, Tucker, if you come in my office, uh, in the Metro office, I say my office, our office, you know, we don't, I, I'm not a big, um, uh, I don't sit around and small talk. Um, I literally come in the side door to my office. I sit down, not good about uh, going around and uh, telling everybody good morning and drinking the coffee. How was your day? I don't, I don't do that. Um, might not be good, but they know me and we know each other. We don't, I take pride. We don't have a lot of small talk. We don't have a lot of, uh, of, uh, you know, uh, just crap going around you know we don't i hit everything head on if i've got something with somebody in my office if i've got an agent um as a matter of fact this morning i started off my morning hitting a situation head on um i don't beat around the bush um if this person's got you know this person's coming to me this agent about their upline and this person i listen i get us all on the phone i'm not scared of it i attack it um, I've, I've learned to be bold, be respectful, listen, but hit it head on. I'm actually reading a book right now, Crucial Conversations, that's very interesting that talks about that, that very thing about how you handle, you know, asking the hard questions or or just being bold and asking them. You know, you can say nothing, 
and avoid it. You can text and email, which I'm big against on a situation, and steadily get on my, you know, stay in my managers about that. Nope, pick up the phone and call. Um, you can joke about it. You know, you're really serious, but you joke about it, and I've been guilty of that, or you can hit it head on, and I believe in uh, Tucker hitting everything head on. I'm not scared to address it because what I've learned if you don't hit it head on, it lingers, it lingers, and it just becomes cancer. But if you hit it head on, people will respect that, good, bad, or indifferent. They'll respect that. You deal with it, and then you walk away. I've been in situations where right here in this office where some of my good buddies, you know, we disagreed and cussed and fussed and, and almost got in a fight. And, you know, but once it's done and we agree to disagree or we come to a solution, then um, it's over. I'm done. I don't think about it. I don't hold grudges. I don't bring it back up. Um, but I've learned, I've had to study and learn that and, um, and be honest. That's the other thing. Just be 100% honest. Um, I think people appreciate that. I think you, you get more out of people when you're honest and upfront. And, uh, you know, uh, I never have to, you know, say, I don't know that number. I'm not going to answer. I don't have to ever remember what I told somebody because I, I'm going to be honest and I'm going to, I'm going to hit it head on and uh, not run away from it. And sometimes that's hard, um, you know, especially in our situation when there's a lot of stuff you have to hit head on and you have to address day in and day out. It's it's exhausting. Um, and poor Scotty, you know, I mean, but he's one of the best and one of the best I've learned from, and I respect that guy because he will. Um, but that's my that's my philosophy, and that's how I handle it. One of the things, Scott, that I've always appreciated about you is when we do have a phone conversation, I, I've learned – very quickly to respect your time. I know how busy you are, and I know how passionate you are about returning phone calls and being on time and things like that. Um, how do you handle, though, um, when Darren Holovich calls you, because he calls me all the time, and, and Darren has nothing better to do than to call you and me and waste our time. So how do you politely deal with Darren Holovich? Great question. As a matter <laughs> of fact, Darren called me Friday. I was in Arkansas. I was meeting with Brandon Clay. This is a great gym. You know, it's funny how things work. Darren called me. Brandon and I met. We had a meeting. We met at like 7.30 in the morning, and we were just sitting down in my hotel room, and Darren called. So first of all, I know if Darren needs something, he'll text me immediately after. Or And, and obviously that time of the morning, I would have answered had I not, uh, because that's a great time in the morning. Morning and nights. I'm strategic about when I have these conversations, first of all. Um, but... People that need something, they'll leave a message, you know, email me right after or text me. So he didn't, he did none of that. So I knew it probably wasn't serious, but I still respect and love Darren. So I'm going to call him back. It's just not going to be right then. So I went through the day um, in Arkansas. I had my meeting. Um, I um, flew back, got back Friday night. I had about a 45 minute drive because we went out to, um, I met my family out in Savannah that night. Um, we stayed there the weekend. And uh, returned all the business calls, but I had about 30 minutes left. And so I called Darren on Friday night um, and just said, hey, man, returning my, my missed calls. And he's, oh, man, I didn't mean anything. You didn't have to call me back. But that was a perfect time. It was kind of a cool-down time for me. It was, a, you know, just a shoot-the-shit type of call, which was fine. I let him know that I had about a, you know, I probably told him a 15-minute drive just in case. Um, because I'm not going to walk in my house having those conversations. I'll sit out in my driveway if I'm at home and have some of those conversations. But I'm strategic about when, uh, Jim. And, you know, if somebody doesn't leave me a message, 
Um, I still take pride in that. Try to call them back, depending on who it is. And, um, you know, obviously if I know them, if I don't, but if they really need you to leave a message. So I'm strategic when, and, and then, uh, but I do, when I take that call and they want, you know, if I take it and they start shooting the crap, I mean, I answered the phone. So I try to be respectful. Uh, but if I have something coming on, I also let them know that. So, um, I think it's strategy of when, and then, um, but still, man, you know, it means a lot for him to take time to call me and to ask me about how I'm doing, what's going on. You know, I respect that, so I want to return that favor and keep that relationship because that means a lot to me, a friendship. And uh, and so that's kind of how I handle that. You were talking about earlier about reading books and, and uh, you have your math degree and all that stuff. And uh, what correlations or carryovers, if any, um, are there from our business of selling insurance and stuff to other businesses? Um, well, I think just, man, you know, our business, and in my opinion, everything, everybody's in sales. Everybody, everybody you talk to today is in sales. I mean, I went, saw my buddy at the golf course. He's the assistant pro to collect the $20 for the fundraiser we just did. Um, you know, he's selling, you know, he's helping people, he's selling, he's dealing with the public. Um, you know, at some point he's leading, uh, leading folks, you know, on their golf game or how to manage their game. Uh, I went to, you know, take my wife's new car. I was fortunate enough to get her and, uh, um, you know, dealt with the service person, you know, they're selling, they're, they're taking care of me, the customer, they're having a conversation, you know, how long is it going to take? It's going to take an hour. Okay. Call me on my cell phone. Cause I got to have my car. I got to get it washed and all ready for our trip this evening. Um, you know, and I could go on so on and so forth. So everybody's in sales and most people have to deal with people and have to deal with asking those hard questions and have to deal with service and have to deal with leadership and have to deal with, um, you know, being disciplined, being on time, being, um, you know, doing what you say you're going to do, being honest. So I think there's a ton of correlation in the business world in most everything you do. Um, it's just a matter if you want to be the best at it or you just take it for granted. Most, unfortunately, don't want to be the expert and don't want to be the best at it. And I've gotten a little bit uh, many years ago, as I said, some of those low points, and I realized that the best teaching is self-taught. So I, I'm going to tell you, we have gotten on this roll about podcasts and books and anything that I'm deficient or need to learn, I buy a book or get a book or find a book and read it. Um, I want to, you know, readers are leaders, um, you know, they're successful. Um, so I try to, I've cut out, uh, you know, I admire a lot of folks, uh, Brandon Clay, who you guys know well, and is an awesome guy. And he thinks the world of you guys and excited to meet at the Academy. Um, but Brandon was, uh, and, and I know Brandon well, I didn't know him this well. So there was this, the, the, the national championship game was all the hype. He knew I was having a little get together and, he texted me and said, I'm embarrassed to say I don't have a TV. What's the score? And I thought about that. You know, what am I wasting my time um, doing? Do I sit there and watch TV? Am I listening to a bunch of music or talk radio? And sometimes you need some of that. But, you know, more times than not, what are we filling ourselves with? And, and so answering your question, our business, like many other businesses, you can be the expert and try to, try to be the expert. I, I, you know, I love trying to be the expert or learning and, and, and making myself better in all those things. So I think they correlate, you know, with a lot of businesses. That's perfect. If, uh, 
if you were living your ideal future, you know, you're retired, you're old and gray, your kids are grown and gone and all that, uh, and you could look back at your current self and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? Um, I think I would, you know, um, probably tell myself to uh, enjoy the moment, um, which I try to do, probably don't do as well. You know, enjoy the present, enjoy the stage that, that I'm in. I have to remind myself that, you know, I mean, my son's 14, you know, and, and probably two years, but definitely four years, you know, these things that I take for granted today are going to be gone, you know, and uh, in 10 years, you know, that I'll be an empty nester and, you know, uh, just slow down and, and enjoy the moment, you know, enjoy every bit of it and enjoy the friendships and relationships. Again, my negative is I come in the office, I don't small talk. Um, when I get on a phone conversation, Jim, I, I appreciate what you said, but, um, and you do, you know, Let's talk about what we need to talk about. We can ask about our families and then, you know, on to the next one. But I don't want to get so caught up in that that I that it's just all business, you know. I mean, I want to be a friend. I want to be a good friend. I want people to feel good about, you know, having a conversation. There's a fine line in that. So just slowing down, you know, my wife says, you know, you got a lot of friends. You're supposed to do stuff with your friends. Well, in our, in our world, life's all about, you know, being around people, helping people, being a problem solver, listening, you know, and it just draining. So when I get time for myself, I just want to be with my family, take them off somewhere like we're doing this weekend, just be with them and and not, you know, not go with a bunch of other friends. It's all going to be the same thing. And, that you know, and, and my guys around here that have been with me a long time, they'll say, yeah, we get to see Scott during the, the week, you know, and hang out and do that. But we never see him on the weekend, and, and that's sadly true. And my wife, you know, so looking back, I probably need to do that more. Um, but that's a work in progress because I'm kind of, I, I don't mind being by myself when it's all, you know, when I get my time uh, to be by myself. Very good. Well, we want to be respectful of your time. So these last uh, few questions, I call them quick draw questions. Um, yep. uh, the, the answers don't have to be quick, but uh, you can answer them however you want. But uh, what's one relatively inexpensive experience that you believe everyone should try at least once? Oh, man. Gosh, that's a, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, well, I, I believe that, um, you know, everyone, if they can, and I know you said, you know, the, the less expensive part is, um, is what stumps me, but, you know, get get out of your comfort zone. What I mean by that is there's a big world out here, and not just outside the U.S., but there's a big world. And in our little town, you know, people get outside of, of this little 5,000 population matter Georgia, and, man, they're just scared to death, and they don't know what to do, and they got to come back home and get their comfort zone. And, and there's a big old world out here. Go out and experience it. You know, go up north in New York or Boston or – or go out west to California, you know, go 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 see the world, the culture, the difference. You know, there's. I think everybody should experience experience uh, outside of their comfort zone and and get out there and see the world. That might just be two states away. It might be the next state away. Uh, and fortunately, in our case, it might be another country. I love getting outside of my comfort zone and going to some of these places that we're fortunate enough to go to. 
and experience their culture. I want to go to their restaurant. I want to, you know, I always said, um, I tell my wife, I said, I would love for to take a year and just be dropped off and, you know, in the Bahamas or, or somewhere like that, that, um, and just, just be dropped off. No money, no nothing. I mean, enough to, to maybe last a week or a month and just take a year and, and just figure it all out. Just figure it all out. Figure out how to make a living. Figure out about, you know, the culture. Figure out, just, just figure it out. And, uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that this opportunity, this, this, business has allowed me to experience the world, and I think everybody should. Are there any books that you've read multiple times, or is there a book you find gifting often or uh, telling people, hey, you got to read blanks, you know, ch- you got to check this one out? Yep, there, there, there are. I've read uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad a couple of times. I've read The Greatest Salesman in the World a couple of times. Um, probably the best book that I've read lately that I have shared multiple, multiple times is that I'm looking at it right now, Lead for God's Sake. Um, you know, that, that book is it's a good read. It's a, it's a easy read. It's a great story. And the last person I gave to him said, man, thank you so much. You don't know how much this helped me. And then end up buying some and giving it to other folks that it could help. Um Great books. Um, there's so many great books out there, but those are the ones, you know, more sales, money. Um, I've read the David Bach, Automatic Millionaire, a few times. Um, but I'm really into, you know, just, um, again, working on me um, and then, you know, working on things that are relevant to me um, every day. But I would say Lead for God's Sake, that was a, that was a, a great book, no matter, not just, you know, selling insurance or, Team building, just outlook on life. Have either of you guys read it? Do you have the author on that? I do. I've got it right here. Um, let me pull it down. It is um, by Tom Todd G. Gongwer. G O N G W E R. I have not read that, but I will. I'm telling you, it, uh, it's a great, great story, and, and you'll see why after hearing me talk about, you know. It's not about me. I mean, that's what the whole book, um, you know, that, that's that's what it's about. So um, I, I, I encourage you to do so. Well, we heard you skipped uh, breakfast this morning, but do you have any specific morning rituals or evening slash before bed rituals that you do every day? You know, um, I, I, I have I have I've been I, I've been working on things, uh, and again, a listener and a learner, um, seeing what other folks do. Um, so I start asking Scotty and Brandon, who I talk to, you know, probably as much as anybody about, you know, they're reading books and, you know, they're in the word and man, when do you have time to do this in our schedules? Um, cause I was doing it at night, kind of like Jim, but it wasn't consistent. It wasn't, um, I wanted a routine. So what I started doing now is, um, I used to, you know, I was getting up at six thirty, So now I get up at six o'clock, I get up 30 minutes early. Um, I try to read, you know, about. 10 minutes in the Bible, and then the next 20 minutes I try to read whatever book I'm reading. Um, And then uh, at night, um, uh, I'm very intentional. When I get home, whatever time it is, it's all about family. I help my wife. You know, again, I've learned. I help her. You know, she just loves for me to sit in the kitchen while she cooks. Um, Just stand there. And so I'll stand there, and I'll just talk to her. I don't help. I'm not a good cook. 
do what she says, and then my job every night is to clean the table. I, we have a glass table, and, man, I can take that uh, Windex and that paper towel and clean that thing like you wouldn't believe. And uh, and then I help, you know, with the kids, getting homework and all that stuff done. And and uh, um, and then when they all go to bed, help them get to bed, um, you know, my wife gets up early. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm just admire her. She gets up at 4.30, 4.45 about every morning, goes and works out and runs and all that stuff. Um, so she goes to bed most of the time early. I'm usually not as tired. I don't require quite as much to sleep. And so then I'll, you know, at nights when I get stuff done for kind of me, I'll get on the computer, return emails. Um, you know, I may read. I don't watch TV. I may work on my son's golf schedule. I may, you know, uh, there's just so much little things. I've got about, you know, my buddy asking me about a vacation. I'll get on there and look at what he's talking about. Um, but that's kind of my ritual um, on a day in and day out. Basically, I'll tell you another thing, which isn't good, but at, at 12 o'clock on the dot, I eat lunch every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love it. I mean, just I love your attention to detail. And like you said, when you when you clean off your table, you're the best person for the job. And I, I think you do that in everything and in, in every part of your life. If you're going to do it, you're going to do it the best way you can. So do you have any quotes or sayings or mantras or anything that you have posted on your fridge or in your office or in your car or something that are a, a reminder every day? I do. I've got, uh, I've got two. One of them's in my top drawer here. Um, in my top drawer, I, I, I pride myself on being very neat, but my top drawer is not. So I was going to try to, oh, here, here. Um, uh, and I won't, I mean, for sake of time, I don't have to. It talks about attitude. Um, uh, you've probably heard it before, and, and I can read it real quick. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than success than what other people think or say we do or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one th on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you, we are in charge of our attitudes. And that right there, you know, with what we do and everything we I do, we do, it's all about your attitude. The other one is from Teddy DiBiase. I don't have it written down, but uh, but I'll, it, 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 when he said it, it, and I think it came from John Maxwell, and it says, um, uh, the dream is free, but the journey is not. The dream is free, but the journey is not. And, uh, and man, I love that. I mean, I absolutely love that because that's so true. You know, we can all dream whatever we want, but, you know, you're going to have to get with it to, to achieve it if you really want it. Man, that's awesome. That uh, that attitude quote, I want to I want to blow up and put in my gym for sure. Uh, what are one to two things that people can do or change in their life in the next week or or month that would have a drastic impact in their lives? 
Um, the one thing they can do is read. Um, and again, I'm no scholar. Matter of fact, I could tell you how many, how few books I read, you know, up until getting into the business. And then when I first got in the business, as I told you, you know, I started reading like crazy to find out how to be successful. And then, uh, and then I thought I got a little success and I kind of got out of the habit. And then here over the last couple of years, I've really, really gotten into it because, you know, the people around me are reading, challenging, putting stuff on there. So I'd say read. Um, I challenge people, you know, and no matter where they are in their life, what they're doing, not just insurances, you know, they want to get better, then go go study, learn, and read about it. There's a book out there about everything. Um, and the other thing, too, is, you know, I'm, I'm, I believe in, in positivity. I mean, I'm, I'm very positive. I don't uh, – I, I just don't think about negative things. I, I don't. I see the positive in everything, um, it, you know, whether it's a habit or, you know, just who I am. Um, I'm positive, so so I, you know I challenge others to, you know, look at the try to make the positive out. Think think positive thought. Good things happen to people that think about good things. If you're always thinking about negative, there's no wonder that bad things happen. There's no wonder the leads stink. There's no wonder you can't make any sales. There's no wonder you're struggling at with your relationship at home. That you're a sorry dad or sorry husband or sorry wife or whatever the case may be. Just be positive, and, and if you change your life and think about that day in and day out, and sincerely, the third thing I would say is, again, is, is my motivation for 2017 is to help others, no matter what it is. Um, I was in Arkansas in a meeting, had a few-minute break, had a buddy of mine, uh, just ironically, didn't even know I was going down to this place we're going to Florida tonight, said, hey, man, I know y'all go down there, and we thought about going to the mountains, but kids want to do something fun, we want to go where it's warm, Where is you know, where's that place, how do you get there, you know, and, and I literally... I was like, man, here's my opportunity. So that night after dinner late, I texted him. Everybody I knew to, to help him get a place last minute, emailed him, called him the next day, and uh, I basically did the deal for him. I called the lady, three-wayed him, did the deal, got him what he wanted, and, man, he was so happy. As a matter of fact, I ran to his wife an hour ago, and she said, we are so excited, and there's nothing that gives me thrill uh, more than that. So yeah. those three things. Sounds like Sounds like you're going to have a fun weekend. But uh, two more questions here, and we'll we'll let you get on with your day. Uh, and the last question is about what you want to promote and stuff like that. So sure. we'll get to that in a second. But uh, what would you like for your personal legacy to be? Well, uh, you know, and hearing a lot of these speakers and, 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 and you know, hearing about that stuff, uh, about leaving a legacy, um, if, 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 if I can just have one or two people say, that that you know that I influenced them and by being you know by that I helped them honestly that I that I was instrumental in, in their success and happiness and again not just financially or, or monetarily um, made them a better person and challenged them and and was a you know good friend and loyal um, I mean that 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 that's what I would want my legacy to be is that uh, just you know by being in touch you know, with me that their life has been better. They've, you know, better, they've made them a better version of themselves. Awesome. Well, you, you do a good job of that. I will attest to that. And I'll be one of the first to say that Scott Glanton is a man of his word and, and um, definitely enjoys seeing other people succeed. And we're, we're so blessed to be in a business that we can um, use our talents to help other people uh, be more successful and um, grow in whatever areas of life they want to grow in. But your, your legacy is uh, being well laid out, and you're doing a great job. 
Thank you, Jim. That means a lot, man. So is there anything uh, you want to, any websites or things you want to promote or, or push people to go check out? Well, I mean, you know, first thing would be One Life America. You know, I think we're, 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 we're in the midst of something special. Um, I think with our culture, more than just the opportunity to make money, you know, being part of a team, a family, um, you know, being intentional about surrounding ourselves, keeping us connected to these academies, um, you know, uh, I would I would want to promote the academies. I would want to promote whether you're a final expense agent or not, whether you're, um, you know, just to come and be part of it, you know, to help uh, help whomever would listen to this be a better version of themselves and to see that there is something different out there than getting leads and getting a contract and selling insurance, you know. Um, I, I would want to promote, you know, www.onelifeamerica.com. Um you know, I would I would want to promote the opportunity. I'd want to promote, um, you know, to show the opportunity and to sincerely take someone that might listen to this and say, hey, you know, that that sounds like something I'd want to learn more about. Um, I would love that opportunity to talk with them and and be very honest and tell them about the one life opportunity and how it's changed my life. And you might uh, give us your phone number too. My phone number is nine. One two six eight two zero three seven four. That is my personal cell phone number. And uh, text or voicemail or call. I promise you, I will answer. And I hope somebody tests me on that. Um, I sincerely do. But uh, and that's nine. The number uh, after eight before zero. Uh, not five. It's nine one two. I know. I have a hard time with that. What's your email if they want to email you something, Scotty? S. Glanton. That's S G like girl, L A N like Nancy, T like Tom, O N like Nancy, at onelifeamerica.com. All spelled out O N E L I F E A M E R I C A dot com. Very good. Well, again, thank you so much for your time and uh, can't wait to talk to you again. Well, Jim Tucker, you don't know how honored uh, I am to uh, have the opportunity to uh, be on this podcast to, uh, you know, um, to put my um, uh, statement um, endorsing you guys uh, on uh, your website. Um, and you've made me a better person by being in contact with you guys, and I mean that sincerely. And I, I just can't thank you enough. You know, I mean, I was – Actually, a little nervous to make you guys proud, obviously, um, but uh, was excited to have the opportunity to be asked to be part of this. And uh, I can tell you again that just you guys uh, um, have both, uh, and Jim, obviously you've been in the business longer, have inspired and and talk about a legacy. Um, you know, many, many, many of the uh, of the folks that I'm in contact with on a day in and day out basis, I always. Um, and, and a little selfishly, if I if I pop Jim name, Jim Mall's name up, I've already got one up on most folks because oh you know Jim Mall yes sir we're partners know him well know his son know his wife you know and uh, so thank you for all that you've done and and you motivate me um, very much Tucker great job I'm so glad that you're uh, got your dad doing this because this is going to help so many folks and I look forward to promoting. And, uh, and and when you guys get this done, you know, I, I need whatever I can get because I will promote it like crazy, um, you know, as far as helping agents because I know it will. So thank you for your time 
and, and having me, and thank you for your friendship and, obviously, the business relationship. Very good. Thanks. Have a good day, man. All right. Thanks, and Scott. We'll see you in a few weeks. Yeah, man. Right. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Stop by oneanddonetraining.com. That's the number one, A-N-D-D-O-N-E, training.com. There you'll find our blog, media library, and ongoing training to help with your final expense career. Thanks. We'll see you there.